0: welcome back to Take One, the podcast that gives you just one marvelous page of Talmud a day. Today, really, one of the most beautiful, haunting pages I've read in a very long time. And to help me make sense of it is a returning guest, one of my favorite rabbis, Rabbi Sari Laufer. Hello.
1: Hello. How are you?
0: How are things in sunny Los Angeles?
1: They are sunny. I am outside.
0: I don't even remember what outside is, but one day, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And so, Rabbi Laufer, um, the page today, Masechet Shabbat 88a, is a meditation on this kind of beautiful, kind of difficult principle. Beautiful. Naaseh v'nishma, which is, of course, famously what the Israelites said when the Torah was given. First of all, se, we will do. And second of all, Nishma, we will hear. I want to read a very short paragraph, and then I want you to help us make sense of it. Rabbi Simai taught, when Israel accorded precedence to the declaration we will do over the declaration we will hear, 600,000 ministering angels came and tied two crowns to each and every member of the Jewish people, one corresponding to we will do and one corresponding to we will hear. And when the people sinned with a golden calf, a million and two hundred thousand angels of destruction descended and removed them from the people, as it is stated in the wake of the sin of the golden calf, and the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Wow, a lot of angels, bad angels, good angels. Help us make sense of this, of this mystical, magical dove.
1: Sure. So first of all, it is. It's a beautiful laugh. Um, and I'd forgotten how much I like the Agada, the, the story. I feel like we've been so mired in the halacha, the very precise legal text that I'd, I'd forgotten how beautiful it is to immerse into this. And I was reading it and reading it. And, you know, we're not talking about all of the pieces. There does seem to be this sort of underlying, I think, both wonder and maybe worry of sort of why were we given this text in this tradition, right? So much of it is about, like, how was Torah given, and to whom it was given, and why was it given to us? Um, And so I think that's sort of an interesting underlying, I think there's a little, I guess, for our generation, we can say this, you know, Wayne's World-esque, we're not worthy. Um, (laughs) Fear that I think underlies a lot of this text. I'm not sure I can handle this.
0: It is a strange principle, right? I mean, the principle that at least for us moderns that you're supposed to first of all say, yes, I accept this. Now, what is this? Uh, how, how, how can we wrap our minds around it? I mean, for most of us, this notion of blind faith sounds, well, crazy.
1: So there's a couple things and I should say, right? Like I come from a tradition, especially in the reform movement that long, you know, and, and he, the Hebrew, I'm not going to teach you the Hebrew. You can teach me the Hebrew, but like Zemo is either like took precedence or like literally put first, And I sometimes think of it as put first. I guess it's a little persnickety on on the language that I don't know that it's giving precedence or more importance to one over the other, but literally I'm going to do this one first and then I'm going to do that one. But I come from, you know, the reform movement sort of flipped that for a very long time of that it's really about nishma, it's about understanding, it's about personal autonomy and informed choice. And So I've struggled with this text. I've struggled to teach it over the years, um, sort of, well, what do we do with this? And, you know, one thought I had, I was actually just talking to a, a conversion student, you know, and he asked, and I think, again, similar to that sense of, are we worthy? Am I worthy? When am I worthy? He asked me, you know, when will I be ready? And I said, you know, there is a certain point that you do have to take the leap. And that sometimes you just have to do the nasa, because if you don't, you never get to nishma, right? If you don't do, you're actually never going to understand. You're going to get so caught up in, questions of your own identity and own self-worth around it that I think you don't actually get to the bigger pieces. And so I think blind faith feels antithetical to a lot of us, but Judaism has always been a religion of action. And I think it is sort of saying, you you have to do it. You have to do the work. And then the questions come, and then the understanding comes.
0: I mean, just attesting from my own personal experience for a minute— starting to do things without completely understanding them, uh, which is how I started putting on in and how I started keeping kosher. Neither of these things made any sense to me when I decided to sort of take the sleep. And yet, as I was doing them, precisely as you said, a, a new meaning uh, and a new relationship blossomed that would not have been visible to me had I not committed first and asked questions later.
1: So I have a similar story. And I think back to when I first started keeping kosher, like, I didn't, I kind of knew the rules, like, I hadn't really studied it. And it was a lot of trial and error. And I think, you know, along the way, sometimes those, it sounds, you know, for you too, that sometimes the leaps of faith lead to the right questions, right? And that we all have different questions. There's a, later in, in this stuff, there's the teaching that when God gave the Torah, it broke into 70 languages, right? God spoke and, and it shattered into all of this languages, this idea that sort of each of us hears Torah big T Torah, little T Torah, in the language we need to hear it. And I think the the idea of Nasev and Ishma also helps us understand that our language and our needs and our encounters of this text change over time, but they don't change without our own work.
0: Right. And rather than seeking, and I love this connection that you're making, rather than seeking to understand the totality of it, which of course is impossible, impossible. because it was never meant to understood in its totality, we just need to embody it, be in it, experience it, live it?
1: Right. You know, the enterprise of Talmud is this sort of all about nishma, right? It's all about academic and study and questioning. But also at the heart of it is these questions of like, but how do I live this in my life? How do I encounter this tradition and this wisdom and these texts and these teachings every single day? And and again, I think that for me and, and for me as a teacher and for me as a human in the world, I can't get to the right questions for me, for my family, for my community, until I'm actually doing the work.
0: Amen to that. Rabbi Laufer, thank you so much for shedding light on this beautiful stuff. My pleasure. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com.